You're listening to Three Valleys Radio. The heart is a bloom Shoots up through the stony ground There's no Welcome to our In Conversation programme, featuring sporting heroes from the world of sport in general and past and present Yeovatown players and supporters. And the reason that you had to care, the traffic is stuck. It's your chance to find out what makes these sporting heroes tick. And also, we get a feel for their musical preferences. To take you out of this place, someone you can lend a hand in return for grace. It's a beautiful So sit back and enjoy as Three Valleys Radio brings you the best in local sport. And this week, our guest on the programme is none other than Nick Crittenden. Welcome to the show, Nick. It's Thank good you, to have you. Um, we're going to talk about your career, and we're going to hear some music that you rather like as well, which will be interesting when we get round to that. <laughs> but um, basically, you started your career at Chelsea. Um, you know, tell me about Chelsea. What was it like? Um, well, I, thought, I feel fortunate enough that I played for Chelsea and I was went straight from school, did a YTS. Um, Graham Wicks was my manager th- at the time then. Um, did a two-year YTS uh, scheme, then I signed a three-year professional contract, um, which took me through till I was, I think, 21, and then I came straight down to Yeovil after that. But when you signed that professional contract, you must have thought... Well, hey, this is it, Chelsea. Nick yeah, Crittenden. you do. Well, it, it, it's difficult, but I mean, in that in the first year of that th- three-year contract, I I was fortunate enough to play three first-team games. I was sub unused a few times. Um, I actually had a clause in my contract that if I played five first-team games, um, I was I would get a new deal, and that's when mm. we were probably talking yeah mega bucks money, not mega bucks, but. Um, yeah, probably good money for an 18, 19 year old. Yeah, yeah. Um, so within the first three months of that three year contract, I'd made three appearances. I was in, in and around the squad, made a, I was on the bench a few times unused, and um, things were looking rosy. Um, Who was in the squad in those days? Uh, well, um, Chelsea were the first team really to start, I think, to start bringing the foreign players in. Mm. I started with Rude Hullet. Um, he brought in, I mean, I was playing with, I mean, Rude Hullet won the Ballon d'Or. When I made my debut, Rude Hullet was playing sweeper, mm. player manager. Um, players like uh, Franco Zola, uh, Dan Petre- I was competing with Dan Petrescu for the right wing back spot. Right. Um, they were all international players. Marcel Dessay, Frank Leboeuf, these players have won the World Club. 
well, won the World Cup. And well, you, yeah, as, as an eighteen-year-old, you really must have thought, didn't you? Am I putting ideas into your head? I mean, to, to be playing with players like that, I mean, you must have been showing some promise. Yeah, I mean, I got I got Chelsea Young Player of the Year in uh, 97, 98 which I'm very proud of. I yeah, I had some real real good seasons um, playing. Uh, I mean, even training with with those sort of world class players, I never thought they could do something that I couldn't do. You know, I always had a lot of self belief, and and I believed I was fit, I was young, I was a I was I had a good attitude, I was I was no trouble to anyone. You know, I just get on and work, and and um yeah, it, I I never felt out of place. Yeah, I was young and and I was quiet, but um but. Sometimes people like that, don't they? They like the players that just get on it and, and mm. do it and not cause any trouble. Um, what what were the what were they like? I mean, you often hear about young players saying, "Oh, you know, I played with in your case, Rude Hullet, Frank LeBeouf, whoever," and they were a great help to. I mean, did they did they go out of their way to come up and say, "Nick, don't do it that way, do it this way," or, or how did it work? Um, Dennis Wise was very good. He was he was captain, obviously Chelsea legend. Um, mm. He's. Um, he was very um, sort of hands-on with the young lads. If you you would you'd be called over from the youth team or reserve team to join with the first team, he'd be the first to sort of not only put his arm around and say "Come on," he'd be the he, he would expect if you the minute you stepped into that first team training environment, you were expected it was it was game situation. You you mm. give everything you got. It was like if you were doing eleven v eleven, it was like you were playing on Saturday and and and. And growing up in youth team football, that's not always the case. A lot of, mm. and a lot of the, a lot of the youth team football and reserve team football is is learning the game, and, and it's not necessarily a results based mm. um, environment. But as soon as you step into that first team, it's about results and getting that result on a Saturday. And for me, the person who sticks out in that sort of scenario is Dennis Wise. He would come over and, mm. and he would demand, he'd tell you what to do. And if you weren't good enough, he'd tell you. But mm. he was the first to come over and say, well done mm. as well, when, when you did do well. So, so what about the tackling, I mean, in those situations? Was it was it determined tackling? Or, I mean, obviously you don't... Well, I remember, having a, I remember having a run-in with... <laughs> Dennis Wise again in a training game I, I accidentally he got the ball first and I was a split second too late and I took him out and he turned around and called me a little whatever <laughs> yeah. you know? and, and that was the essence of it whether it was yeah. on a Saturday or whether it was in training he didn't care he, he just wanted to win And but then he was the first one after that after training finished to come over and say oh sorry about that don't worry it's just a heat the moment so mm-hmm. it was in training it was it yeah. was yeah, yeah. No, you, right. you, st- you stepped up whether you were 18 or whether you were um, an experienced pro. You stepped up, and you had to be you had to be counted. Well, now it's time for the first of Nick's choice of music, and it's uh, a track called "Every Day Is Like Sunday," and it's by Morrissey. <laughs> Oh, 
Well, there we go. Morrissey and Every Day is Like Sunday. First of next choice of musical gems. So at Chelsea, then, when when they they released you, mm. that must have been a bit of a blow. It was, but I, as I said, I, I made three or four first-team appearances in the first year of my contract, and then the rest of the time, I, I sort of, you can almost say rot in the reserves. I, I was no longer part of the first team. Maybe, in hindsight, I think I probably stayed one year too long. Mm. playing reserve team football and and yeah playing reserve team football at Chelsea but you're so much better off playing in a first team men's team say down where I went down in Yeovil which were non-league at the time I was so much better off playing in a first team for Yeovil Town than playing in Chelsea reserves and that mm. and, and, and that's the case for any young lad as soon as they can get into that first team environment it, it does them the world of good so I was gutted when, when I left and, and you can you can try and prepare yourself that you know it's kind of when that actually does come then it does hit you but again I was expecting it so mm-hmm. and gives you another chance to um, go on and so tell me about the, the, the process of arriving at Yeovil I mean who, David Webb wasn't it signed David Webb was a, I had a call from Steve Thompson um, I, I had a couple of trials I went to Cambridge I went to Barnet offered me a contract I went to um, Bournemouth on trial and and by that point I mean I played reserves I felt a bit unloved you know you can see why so many players drop out at that stage whether mm. they get released at YTS level or whether they get released when they're 21 you can see why there's such a big fallout from the game there but um, so I had a call it came from a school a call from Steve Thompson um, Nick uh, Steve Thompson Yeovil, uh, do you want to come down and play a game um, I think you know Terry Skiverton here um, Dave Webb's our manager old Chelsea boy um, firstly I dismissed it I thought okay because it was quite early after I'd been released and, and I sort of didn't phone him back and, and I thought oh, I'll, I'll, sort of, I'll be able to get a league club and, but mm. never came mm. so I called Steve Thompson back mm. and it just so happens they had a game that night against uh, it was my uh, it was away at um, down past Weymouth on the hill Portland away oh, yeah. at Portland yeah. Yeah. and I drove down that night played um, scored a goal one of the best goals I scored <laughs> Um, and, uh, they offered. Uh, I went training the next day, and Dave Wed offered me a two-year contract. Next day, a lot of the players that that were here, I noticed that were in similar situations to me that had just dropped out of bigger clubs. I've mm. seen like a real good group of lads. I actually knew a few of them. Ben Smith, who was at Arsenal, yeah. used to play against, and it just seemed like he had a good atmosphere, a real good thing going. Um, and yeah, decided to sign and. And the fact that it was non-league didn't hold you back in any way? Not really, because, I mean, it was the first year the club went full-time. It was a bit sort of hit and miss, but we, we were training here, there and everywhere on different days. But mm. as I said, we were all young, we had no commitments, we could all be there, do this, and and it, it worked really well. And, and the togetherness we had that year, and I always look back on that first year here at Yeovil, where we finished second to um, Rushton and Diamonds, as mm. probably, as a whole, my best season in football, I think. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. I can remember the first time I I ever saw you play I think was a, uh, a friendly uh, Martok I don't know if you can remember that one that Martok, far back Martok yes, yeah, yeah. Um, it was it was convenient because it was. They've got ground, have they, Martin? Well, I don't know. There's something you must. <laughs> it must have something good ground to play on. But I remember that, and I, you know, you stood out then because you know you were quite swift, and you know, mm. I, I've always I've always had a soft spot for wingers. Yeah, wingers that get dust on their or the chalk on their boots, and, yeah. just, and you kind of fit that Im, that image quite. quite yeah, I think I was really. uh, uh, an old well old school now. I was looking at them now. That, um, 
old school winger play on the right and well mind you in those days I used to play a lot of games on the left um, but um, I was at well when I was growing up because my, my like I mentioned earlier my my uh, youth team coach was Graham Ricks who was mm. a winger for Arsenal yeah. and played for England um, so he was always on me I, I always look at him as the most influential person in my career who mm. actually my game back then growing up for the youth team and, and reserves was if I get the ball can I get past my man and how many crosses can I get in mm. it wasn't about goals it wasn't about this and that it was about how many crosses can I get into the box on, yeah, yeah. on Saturday and, and and that's what certainly like, what I look for when I'm watching games now mm. is um, from a winger can you get the ball can you get in the box can you make that fast stick and, and weigh in with your fair show but, but do you not think that um, that style of winger it's beginning to make a bit of a resurgence in that you've got Dan James at United, mm. you've got um, Hudson Adoy at Chelsea, mm. to name the two that I can immediately think of. Yeah. And and Dan James in particular, obviously I'm, I'm an authority on him because I've seen every game he's played yeah. virtually, but you know he's got that pace and I mean he's he's set up goals and I think it makes a huge difference to any team I'm surprised that we haven't got a faster winger here in all honesty yeah I think Miles is the one Miles Hippolyte is yeah. the one here that you you would sort of put in that category but I, the, the thing we mentioned James the thing I like about James is that actually he's he's so direct and, and he gets the ball and, and he, you know where he's going but he will he runs at people a lot of people sort of run across the pits and do mm. this and actually when you look at actually how many chances are created and, yeah. and how much what end product you get from it I think actually those players that actually are direct and run at players and get at the defender get crosses in that's when you do create the mm. um, goal scoring opportunities and, and, and things like that but now there seems to be a craze I don't know if it's sort of cooled down a bit but it was always the left foot is playing the right wing and the right foot is playing the left and then mm. for me your natural instinct then is to to creep inside creep inside mm, you, mm. you lose that width yeah. and then when you do get the ball you want to come inside and condense the play again so I, I can see how it works but, but for me I, I like the width and the, the, having the two wingers mm. that can get the ball get around the byline and then the forwards know exactly what's happening there's going to be crosses coming in and, and, and you go from there now it's time for Nick's second choice of music and it's Oh Yeah by Roxy Music Song. And so on, and 
by Roxy Music. Well, tell me about David Webb. Now, I had a couple of run-ins with David Webb. And, uh, I find still him... <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Well, what did you make of him? How, how did, you know, he was, he was quite a... Um, I don't know how to describe him. He was a rough diamond in, in, in a kind of way, you know. He, was, he, he didn't hold back, did he? No, he was... He, he had that authority about him. Obviously, he won a lot of things at Chelsea, didn't he? He had, he had the authority where he's, he's a manager who's been there and done that. Um, he basically if he said something you did it and, and if you didn't do it um, you, you'd have to reap the consequences mm. 
he, he was a man of very few words. I mean, I remember he wouldn't take a team talk. Tomo would do everything. Tomo would do the training. Uh, he'd do the... Well, I imagine that David Webb did the team selection, but Tomo would announce the team. Tomo would then take the team talk before the game. And the only time you'd see David Webb was as you'd come back in from the warm-up and that last five minutes where everyone's putting their pads on, putting the tape on and doing mm. the boots and everything, last little preparations. Then David Webb would come in, have a pick out who he wanted to have a quick word with and, and it'd be done mm. but it was it was also it, it was effective and it worked whether he did it on purpose whether he I don't know mm. but no, it worked I suppose it say. worked because yeah. we we had like I say we had a great season everyone enjoyed it the players wanted to work for him you know he didn't mm. he didn't get involved in anything he didn't need to get involved with I remember a time um, a player called Glenn Paul yeah, um, it was away I think it was away at Southport or somewhere like that and he got subbed and he ripped his shirt off and threw it, threw it at the bench and walked up <laughs> <laughs> Went down like a lead balloon, I said. Yeah, it, Dave Webb said he went in after. I think this is all he said. He said, "And you, lad," and he pointed at him. He said, "If I ever see that again, I'll oh, see that um, floodlight there. I'll pick you up and I'll hang you from that floodlight." <laughs> there. And he fully didn't say anything. And he, um, yeah, needless to say, he didn't do it again. But I mean, looking back on that team, I mean, you had Chrissy Wheel in goal. He was yeah. sort of starting from you know um, James. Well, we ben. had that year. We had um, Chris Giles. No, we had uh, Tony Pennock in goal that year. Oh, did you? Right, yeah, yeah, that year. Yeah. Um, Wheelie was another year later. Uh, Chris Jarzy and, and Wheelie and Lindy were generally... Um, Lindy played a bit, I think, but they were the young lads coming. They were real young then. I think they were only sort of 17. Benty, believe Benty played a lot. Um, Brad, Brad, do you remember Brad? Brad, Brad, Brad. Yeah, I can remember Bradley. What was his Bradley second Bradley someone, yeah. I forgot yeah. He played a few games. Yeah. Um, Benty certainly played. I mean, oh, well, you can name the team. We had Pipes right back, David, yeah. David Piper. Yeah. Skivo. Tom White. Yeah. Left back would have been Tonks, Anthony Tonkin. Uh, myself, um, Darren Way, Ben Smith. He was left winger back then I remember Barrington Bell gave up top with Warren Patmore yeah he was left wing yeah well, oh. Benty probably yeah, yeah good but again yeah. like you can see like a lot of young lads that yeah. would um, and obviously Warren Patmore up front who would just score goals yeah um, Barrington Belgrave for that first six months that season he was like a, a championship player Barrington used to make me laugh Barrington Belgrave you know these typical things we well we do on on our um, Inquisition show, uh, you know, favourite drink, Barrington Belgrave, Ribena. <laughs> <laughs> Crack me up, that did. Poor old Barrington, uh, Ribena. Right, so while we're breaking for another Ribena, uh, here's the next third choice Young Americans by David Bowie.
was the young American Standing right through the picture window She finds his slinking back upon Because as he passes a poet in my stand Heaven forbid she's taking the thing But the freak and his title for nothing This is a step and cuts his hand Showing nothing, it swims like a song She cries, where of all Papa's heroes gone Once a young American
Young Americans by David Bowie. So, you, apart from um, David Webb, you also had... Um, Colin Addison. That's what I was going to say, yeah, because yeah. I just done an interview with him. Um, yeah, how did you find Colin? A bit different, I imagine, wasn't he? I like Colin, yeah. He came in and he didn't change much. He didn't need to change much. I think when he came in, I, I remember at Christmas, we were, I think we were like something like 15 points clear of a game in hand and, and it was ours for the taking. He came in... Um, yeah, it didn't change much. Again, another experienced manager who, mm. who'd been there, done that, managed Celta Vigo, was it? When mm, teams like that's that. Right, um, yeah. Fantastic experience for the ball. And, and, and for the young lads that we had, I, I liked him a lot. I mean, you could say we threw it away. Was it anyone's fault? I don't know. Maybe we were a little bit inexperienced. Maybe we were a little bit inexperienced when the real, real must-win games came mm. along. I don't know. We didn't have a big depth for squad. We had Again, we had a good one in the FA Cup that year. That was the year we went to Black. Paul went to Bolton um, again and that takes its toll I mean that year I remember I played 50 games I, I didn't I I didn't start a game on a bench and I didn't I didn't get bought off I played 50 games and, and when you're 20 21 coming out of youth team football and then you're up in the intensity and to suddenly go from playing 30 games at half pace or whatever you do back in the reserves to going into 50 games at where results matter it mm. takes its toll and maybe squad tired I don't know but I, 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 I would never have thought to, to sort of blame Colin or anything for, for, mm. for the way we finished that season because as you know Rushton caught us with mm. two games left I think um, happens though doesn't it it does happen yeah but you know um, but I mean at the end of, and of course at the end of the day poor Colin Lost his job on the on the back of it as well, which uh... he lost his job, and and it was sad because he he got on really well with all the players, mm. and and there was still that good good uh, feeling amongst the group, and 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 everyone got around. A lot of the players we all lived moved down and, and, and he, he just added to that really um, he was all for sort of team bonding activities and, mm. and doing all this and that and I, I thought know. it was interesting actually when he when he left you know he, he'd been sacked and I remember there was a big confrontation in the, in the tunnel with John Fry if I recall um, uh, you know right at the end and then so obviously he left but he, he invited all the press he had a do up at the uh, Northover Manor just afterwards you know and I thought well what a gentleman you know yeah. it was really it was really unusual to, I didn't expect that to be Honest, yeah, I remember we invited all the players back as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah, you know, which was which was you know a good touch, I thought, really. But, uh, but oh, you know, so fan- then- a real fantastic guy. Yeah, yeah, I've not heard anyone say a bad word about him. No, yeah. no. So then you had um, Mr. G. Johnson, I think, mm. didn't you? Next. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, again, Gary was Gary was Gary, but I mean, how did you get on with him? I got on with him well. He he came in and I was playing I was playing left wing or right wing at the time, and, and Gary came in and he wanted to play wing back. And, and he put me as his right wing back Maka was his left wing back whether it suited me I don't know but I remember oh yeah again I played the whole next year when we mm. won the trophy right wing back and whether it was my best position I don't know I think it, it took a lot of my going forward I thought out of my game mm. what, um, what I was doing well but again like, Gary was incredible he's probably the second biggest influence on my career the, mm. the, his, he just came in and he he, he turned he went from the position we were at, a good team, um, and some good young players, probably should have won the league the year before, and and he he just 
been brought in an element of profession professionalism. Um, he he just took it to another level, and, well, and those remember. players flourish. Players like Darren Way, Terry Skirton, myself, Maka, Lee Johnson. Um, Lee Johnson. They all just went to another level, hmm. and um, and suddenly we become the favourites to win the conference. And and we won the trophy the next year, and the year after that we won the conference. Hmm. With hundred points, and yeah, he just took it to another level. <coughs> of course, the the, the conference, uh, not the, the trophy winning season, was was, yeah. uh, was when I arrived on the scene. Yeah, and I can remember us going up to um, the Belfridge. Remember? Yes, and the golfing and that. And because uh, this was this was like a little bit like for you getting to play for Chelsea's first team. There's me, the lady hopper, and suddenly I'm the press officer for Oval Town. Yeah, and here we are, at a major final. Oh, it was like Alice in Wonderland, from my concern you know I was mixing with all the pride. I remember I remember you singing on the way back on the bus remember because <laughs> <Really? laughs> yeah. yeah. I was sat there with the, the trophy between my legs as it were if you, excuse the pun yeah. and you were singing um, American Pie. Pie which of course the 10 minute version yeah yeah exactly <laughs> well, I, did, I was amazed that you knew all the words that was more than the point more music now and we have got uh, There Is A Light by The Smiths Take me out tonight Where there's music and there's people And they're young and alive Driving in your car I never, never want to go home Because I haven't got one anymore Take me out because I want to see people and I want to see light Driving in your car Oh, please don't drop me home Because it's not my home, it's their home and I'm welcome no more
by the Smiths because when you eventually left Yeovertown I'll tell you a story here that you may or may not know I don't know but I always remember at um, talking to Gary Johnson because I'd got to the point now where I was sort of well into the job and and I knew you and I knew everybody well and I didn't like it when suddenly players were going Mm. you know and I'd got to know players well and then suddenly they weren't there sort of thing I remember Gary said to me that that when he had to tell you that he wasn't going to keep you on you were in tears and he was in tears and for a manager to admit that he was in tears I thought was quite uh, you know quite genuine really but uh, it just shows you that you know sometimes I suppose you've got to you've got to cut through that that sentimental element to do your job properly you know I suppose he yeah. he obviously considered at that point you probably didn't he obviously did think that it was the time to change it but um yeah if I'm honest I think I sort of it w- it was a shot I was a 50-50 because a few of the the players had already signed new contracts and and it was left quite late with me and and I'd suffered from the, the season I left I had I'd always had problems with my hamstring and I'd had two or three months out of the season with my hamstring on two couple of separate mm. occasions and and I knew it's 50-50 but I, I half expected he'd, he'd give me another year and see how we got on. But again, it's football, and, and I look back on my time now at Yeovil, and it was the most successful time of my career. The, the mm. club, the club, it was, it was fantastic. Like with the crowd and, and the connection the pl- all the players had with the fans and, and yeah. the success and look back and it was an incredible time and it, it, it I don't know I I always wondered whether Gary Johnson did really like me in, in his head I don't know I I have no idea mm, I, I, but, well, but I, I, he was one of them again that when things were going well he was brilliant he would tell mm. you how well everything's mm. going but if if things were not good it was a horrible place to come to work if mm. we'd just been beaten on a Saturday you yeah. know if you're in double sessions running we'd sit down and have to do um uh, we used to call it ticks and crosses so you'd mm. sit down and you'd watch the whole game from the from the Saturday just gone and you mm. would pick another person and every time they got the ball you have to add you had to do a tick if he kept the ball or a cross if he gave it away yeah. and then a tick with a circle around it if they had a shot or something good come of yeah. it and then it was just it was just, and it just highlighted how what a bad game you had the week before <laughs> I can imagine that had the ball ten times and give it away ten but, times but I mean I know, I know Gary had a hard side as well as an eat because I mean do you remember when we went to Latvia I think you went to Latvia didn't yeah, you yeah. yeah and we went to Latvia and I remember I think it was the last game we played there and uh, I think we lost it Three, I think we were three nil down, or maybe it was three two or something. I can't remember exactly the score, but obviously we come off the field afterwards, and I'm just sort of hovering about like I'm 
sort of hovering about, knowing full well that by then I'd learnt that you don't go into the dressing room. And Gary says to me, "Were you coming in in or what?" So I said, uh, "Well, yeah, all right." <laughs> so, so I sort of hovered in, and, and I, I sort of got, found the, the most sort of discreet corner yeah. I could <laughs> to get out the firing line. <laughs> Not that he would have fired at me; he wouldn't have yeah. done. But but um, and, and Lindy he laid into Lindy, and I thought, "My God!" Yeah. And it's only a flipping friendly, yeah. you know, pre-season friendly, but he absolutely slaughtered poor Lindy. And I thought, "My God!" I'm not sure as I can cope with this if I was a footballer. It's 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 totally different, isn't it? It's just it's just a I don't know. It's just a, a different way of life, I suppose. And if you're not in it, you don't understand it. But yeah, um, you knew you knew to keep your head down, okay. And yeah, like I say, when things are going well, it was brilliant. But if we went in, say at half time, and we were two 0 down, my God, you mm. you went in, you sat down, and you shut up. Oh yeah. I mean, I've yeah, I, I've seen confrontations in change rooms where Gary's been like real like inches from your face mm. um, and, and you just learned quick that one you didn't answer him back you didn't even have a, if you answered him back once you were gone I remember there's players that mm. that they answered him back they were gone we, they were gone yeah. you, you didn't have a second chance mm. um, and you just kept your head down and if he said something to you you just went looked at me like and nodded and that's it um, and you didn't say nothing back. Wow! But again, we were fortunate enough that we won most weeks. Yeah, so you didn't so get we the didn't have it. Yeah, but I remember yeah. we went through a spell of um, we went through quite a, a, a couple of months spell beginning of one year. I think it was the year we won the conference where we were conceding early goals. Hmm. So what he did in training is we um, every morning the first thing we did is we'd set up eleven v eleven the team that we're going to start on a Saturday, and we the we would have to not concede a goal for 20 minutes we'd have to play 20 minutes bound mm. first we did and if we conceded a goal he would just run us for like he'd scream shout and he'd just run us for like an hour <laughs> so you made sure yeah. you didn't you concede, didn't a, goal. concede a goal yeah. and everyone was screaming at each other shouting at each other mm. if anyone left their run out oh. do you know what I mean and, and, he, and we soon stopped conceding goals but yeah. that's just an example of actually how it was unenjoyable mm. going in but actually he made it right and yeah right last musical break coming up and this one is called uh, The Wild Ones and it's finished by a band called Suede There's a song playing on the radio Sky high in the airways on the morning show There's a lifeline slipping Oh, 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 
on the road now and you're um, up the road to Aldershot Town where you played according to Wikipedia 82 games now I must admit I can't even remember that I'm, I uh, wouldn't believe all that because that's um, well, yeah, I played 100 games for Aldershot exactly I know oh well, there you go 100 games I don't think they include sort of cup games cup games yeah no, probably um, yeah what was that like I mean who did you play who was the yeah, manager when there I went the to um, when I left Yeovil I mean the very next day I had <laughs> it seemed like I could have gone to any conference club I wanted to. I had Hereford on the phone, I had Boston on the phone. I could have signed a three-year contract with um, Boston, who was... Who I met in a hotel. Steve Evans? Steve Evans. Steve Evans. And he's ten times worse than Gary, I think. Was he? Yeah, Yeah, apparently. Um, So I could... In the end, I I went back home. So I was born in Bratnell, all the shots, um, five minutes down the road. So... Terry Brown, who's manager then, uh, called me out. It, Aldershot had just lost, actually, in the playoff final to get up to the league. So they were one of the favourites to go up in the conference uh, uh, the season I signed. Um, and I signed a two-year contract, stayed there for two years. We actually made the playoff final that year. In the playoffs, sorry, the playoff semis. Uh, we lost to Carlisle on penalties, and I missed the penalty to Ooh, go what's through. that like? Missing a penalty in a shootout. Yeah, but in, yeah. In a Chris Giles missed the one before me. He didn't help me. Oh, yeah, oh. so he um, 
We we basically had two penalties to score to go through. Me and Giles, we both <laughs> we went out. Oh dear! Yeah, so <laughs> but I mean, uh, you know, how do you feel when you do? You, do you want the ground oh, to swallow yeah, you up? Oh yeah, horrendous! Because we yeah. were away at Carlisle. Yeah, we won the first leg at home one 0 We went there, drew, uh, lost two one, and it went to penalties. And I hit the penalty well, well, but it was just a nice height for the keeper, decent save, but. Again, yeah, you you can't really like you know. So the ground here, the ground didn't really... help you then, and produced t- hole for you no, to fall into. It didn't help. It's all the fans <laughs> ran on celebrating. Uh, yeah, and, yeah, um, yeah. But um, you know, so Aldershot moved on then to Weymouth. Yeah. Um, and and then and Dorchester as well. as well, sort of thing. So you were sort of, I suppose it's is it fair to say you were in the twilight of your career then? Uh, I mean Weymouth when when I went to Weymouth. I, I was earning more money there than I earned anywhere else. Yeah, but didn't they have some they bloke had, there that was paying money yeah, out like, like yeah, confetti? Yeah, we had Gary Hill manager. We had, um, we was, before the chairman pulled the plug, we were top of the conference. Mm. And um, we were flying, yeah. We, we had a real good team. He had, he had he'd spent a lot of money, but he had, he had sort of, he spent it wisely, really. He had players that were at mm. that level, that had been there, done yeah. that, but with sort of decent attitudes, good yeah. lads, and that would work hard. He didn't have sort of the the players that were just there to pick their money up and on their way back down he'd he'd sort of spent it wisely and before actually Martin Harrison it was who was putting the money in um wasn't he a journalist or something? No, he, he owned like the Riviera Hotel and stuff. Oh, that's right, Weymouth. yeah. He yeah, but, but, but wasn't there some journalist that's involved with Weymouth? Or oh, I um, imagine I, it. Ridley, is it? That's Ridley? it, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't think he was putting the money in, but he mm. was certainly involved. And um, before, yeah, things were going swimmingly. Until then, someone says we're not paying the wages this month. It's all gone. And, and suddenly we we were all on the transfer list and, and told we could go for free. Mm. Um as it turned out, I stayed and saw my two years out and, and um, someone came in and, and bought the club and this is before they went downhill again. So mm. they actually maintained conference um, uh, status for the next two years. and yeah, Never really got over that though, have they, as a club, Weymouth? Not really. I knew, that looking at them now, they're second in the conference. So they could be in the conference next year. They're, mm. they're really on a high at the moment. I went to watch them the other day for... For the gaffer, who's um, who mm. they were playing Dover in the FA Cup because obviously we got Dover Saturday. Yeah, and um, I went to watch Weymouth, and I tell you what, they gave Dover a good game, and, mm. and they they got a good shot, they got a good um, good side down there. They're part time, but they got kind of the pick of the players around there because they got a little bit more money than your Dorchesters mm. and your and your Pools mm. and things like that. So they, they got some good young players down there, and and what it could easily be that actually we're in the same league as them next year if we mm. don't get promoted and they get promoted. Mm. Um, so then, then you know, obviously Dorchester close by to Weymouth and convenient, I suppose, from a point of view. Well, I suppose now you're living down here. Had you got married by then? Or? I was married in 2011, <laughs> I want to say. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. no, you were. Yes, you were. I was, yeah. My boys were born in 2009, so I went in 2008. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I had my three boys then. So you were at Dorchester for a fair old while, then, 252 games called to this, which is probably more of you say is wrong. Yeah, no, I played, I think, well over 300 um, yeah. there. I, I look back. I look back at all my times, really, at all the clubs and and Dorchester especially. It was uh, I was there for a long time. Um, I had some real good, particular first two or three seasons there. I, I, I had some real good, um, mm. good you, games. You know, always, and, always strike me as a team that 
daughters that they always season after season they start well and you think well this is going to be their season and the next thing you know look at their, their bottom four or five and they seem to stay bottom yeah. four or five really. well, look at all, all, the, all the years I've at Dorchester we never finished in the top half of the table no. they're always it's not really a football town you could say Weymouth's sort of a bigger club than Dorchester and obviously mm. Oval's a different scale but Dorchester I mean you, you could be top of the league and you'll still get 500 fans and mm. and um, it's a fantastic club and now they've got the 3G pitch you're hoping that actually that extra revenue will allow them to bring in some more more players and have a bigger budget to be able to compete um, mm. but at the moment because because they haven't got a thousand fans like Weymouth for they're struggling to compete and again you're, you're relying on the chairman or the owners to put money in every week to pay the wages and it's just an uphill task you know and it seems to, seems as though they, they, they attract the, the oval element to Dorset because when Tomo went there Chris Wheel's been yeah. there Roy O'Brien was there yeah. you were there yeah. um you had a go at assistant manager. Yeah. Did, you, did you enjoy that? Or? I did, yeah. And, and I'd love to have a go as being a manager again one day. Um, the only thing is that while my boys are so young and, and, and they're 10 at the moment, it's, if, if you want to commit to to being a manager, and even when I was assistant manager at Dorchester, my phone just wouldn't stop ringing. And, mm. and you imagine being a manager there then. And, and, and even at that level... It, it, it takes up 50% of your time and you're trying to balance it with another job and yeah. and to be a, when I do say actually yeah I'd like to have a go at being a manager one day if I can if, to, if it ever arises you need to make sure that you you can give it everything because again you someone like myself if I was lucky enough to have a chance then you know you've you got one chance to make it happen mm. otherwise so do you think you can go it. up and go inches to inches face to face with players and have you got that in you no I wouldn't be that kind of manager because no. not all players react to that I think yeah. for me management is is half about tactics and half about actually making the players work for you and that's why I think Frank Lampard is going to be an incredible I think he's going to be a fantastic manager mm. you might not agree but because He's likeable. Players must love to play for him. Players want to play for him. You can see that he's... I think if, you, if you're a manager, you're halfway there. If the players want to run for you and they want to play for you, forget the tactics, mm. you're halfway there. And then uh, suddenly, if you add a bit of quality and, and a bit of sort of a bit of team shape and especially we're talking Dorchester's level you've just mm. got to be quite quite well drilled, mm. fit. Well, he's he's kind of like... Um, Ollie Gunner, isn't he? Really, a similar, similar sort of yeah, I can you know, say, yeah, approach yeah. to the game. I mean, you know, I, I can't imagine Solskjaer getting particularly, you know, Gary Johnson is called whatever. Yeah. I, I would have thought he would be fairly, uh, maybe Mike Feeler would, but I don't think I don't think Ollie would. Yeah, or even Michael Curry. I, I can't really see Michael Curry doing it either. But yeah, but. yeah I certainly wouldn't be a sort of a rant and a raver, but I would certainly make sure that you demand you demand standards but also in a good way you know if you're likeable I think I think you go a long way by being likeable and, and mm. people actually yeah. actually yeah, I, I, think I so. want Chris to do well I, I'm going to mm. run my nuts off him out there mm. on a Saturday mm. I think I think that can go a long way especially and especially at that level yeah what we're yeah. talking about and now you're back at Yeovil yes um, yeah powering down their wing into the accounts office <laughs> it's a bit of a change though do you enjoy working with figures I do enjoy it yeah it's tough it's tough going especially at the moment when obviously we dropped out of the football league we lost a lot of funding last year mm. um, everyone's had to tighten their belts um, 
more there's more emphasis on budgets more emphasis on cash flow and 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 things become i mean i've got to be reliable and and actually all my reports have got to be accurate and 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 realistic and then mm. forecasting's got to be um as realistic as possible so there's a lot of pressure yeah more pressure actually on the less money you've got the more pressure there is on well on yeah it. And, naturally yeah. and um yeah. and that's that's the case for the foreseeable future certainly this season um and again if we don't get promoted this season um things are going to be tighter next year and then the year after we lose all the um mm, all the parachute payments so mm. um again i'd like to hope that we're not going to be a bit but we're not going to be in a better position than actually what we are this season to actually mm, to do it. have a go and say actually while we've got the benefit of the parachute payments from the football league and we're actually we've got a chance of being top of Christmas um, is there a better chance to go for it in the second half I mean we've not got to abide by any sort of financial fair play rules mm. can we go out and get maybe one or two players that, Make that the are going to give us that cutting edge mm. to go on and actually win the conference and at, or could do with a couple more Reese Murphys, couldn't you? Certainly, but again, those players don't come cheap, do they? Mm, no, and and no. I think he's been a revelation, Reese Murphy. He's been mm. fantastic to watch. But again, if 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 he drops out or something happens to him, and then we, you, yeah. you you need that back up, and mm. and are we going to have a better chance to actually have a go? Are we going to be in this position next year? You don't know. So no, no, for me, I'd right. like to, I'd I'd hope that we could, with the backing of the new owners, to go. Actually, let's go and get a couple more players and, and let's see mm, let's it's out it, and see what we can do. And because the manager's proved that he, he's, um, well, like I said, you can see on a Saturday, those players want to play for him. Mm-hmm. They were a bit disappointing the other day, but I don't think it was through lack of effort. They, they're no. trying hard and, and, and you're not going to win every week. And, and it may be in a month or so a blessing in disguise that we went out of the FA Cup and, mm. and we can concentrate more on the league. But... Um, it'd be nice to think that we could get maybe one or two more in well Nick Critter thank you very much for joining us on the show it's been a great interview I'm sure the listeners will really enjoy listening to that I hope they do anyway it's a pleasure mate so hopefully you've enjoyed the show tonight and I look forward to sharing your company throughout the week thank you for joining us good night Beautiful.